And welcome to Mythology. This is the podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Zoe, and I'm Lizzie. And how are you today, Zoe? I'm okay. I'm I'm re- back at school, so it's very busy, and I'm just trying to figure out like what I want to do this semester and what like works best for me and stuff. So it's a little stressful. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to figure things out though. Um, what are what are you what are, what are you up to? Not a whole lot. I made a cake today, and I was so oh, yeah. excited to make this cake. I finally got my cake tins that I ordered mm. off online, and then um, the, I mean, it tastes good, but it is, did not turn out well decorations wise. Decorations are hard, but, especially when you have like no tools. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to make a buttercream. It was a very hastily put together buttercream. It just wasn't very good, mm. and I, I tried to write on it and it was just very bad but oh well the I cake part was good nice. though it was an, thank you it, it was an earl gray cake and that's oh was that very sounds good. really good i want to make an earl gray cake well, I can does it caffeinate you if you no idea. eat it i guess you'll find out <laughs> i guess so because i, I think matcha think cakes that. like caffeinate you but i don't know for sure i could be wrong this could be me sounding very stupid on air but like i, I think it makes sense but what do i know i have no idea i didn't even think about it so yeah i don't know i guess i'll have to look into it i don't know but guess coffee flavored cakes do they caffeinate you i don't know well something to look over um well (laughs) before we begin this episode i just want to remind everyone that we have a ko-fi and that's linked in our uh, episode description which you can donate once or recurring and it means a lot if you do and also we're gonna be making bonus content sometime in the future that only people who give us money will have access to so (laughs) you better get on that now um, if you want to be there when it drops. Also, we have a survey. Please fill it out. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> Great. Thanks. <laughs> also, on our website, um, you can find transcripts and our sources. So check that out as well. Cool. If you so desire. And mm-hmm. leave us a review if you so desire. If we're saying all these things anyway, <laughs> yeah. might as well add that. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready now? I am ready. Who are we talking about today? Okay, so today, this episode will come out on Valentine's Day, um, and so I wanted to talk about a lady associated with, like, love, and I, I think I sort of achieved that. Um, today, we're talking about Ashun, who is the Yoruba Orisha of the of divinity, fertility, beauty, and love. Ah, okay. So, because it's been, like, almost 40 episodes, uh... I wanted to quickly review the concept of Orishas. We talked. We mentioned her many episodes ago yes. as like a side character for Oba. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to go back to our Oba episode and talk about Orishas because Oba is also an Orisha. Um, but basically, let's review. They're spirits in Yoruba religion sent by the supreme being Oludumare to guide creation, especially humanity. There's generally like a few specific types. There's the primordial Orisha who have existed before the creation of humans. They're created directly by the God, the supreme creator. 
either that or they're like the first inhabitants of the earth. So they've been around for a while. They live in heaven or in the earth. So they're not as like close to um, humans, though they're like obviously still relatively close compared to like the supreme being. Um, there's also some that are personifications of natural forces or phenomena. And then there's also some that are deified ancestors. So people who live on the earth after it was created and greatly influenced it, often kings, heroes or heroines, warriors and founders of cities when they die will become orishas as like, you know, a marker of their greatness. And they often manifest in aspects of natural forces that can be harnessed and cultivated by humans. And they serve humans by mediating between the two sides of nature, one being the side that humans can control and the one being the side that humans can never control. And that allows the teamable aspects of nature to fall under human control while also protecting humans from the more uncontrollable sides of nature. So yeah, those are Orishas. And yeah, so today we are talking about a specific Orisha whose name is Oshun, and her name means source, and she is also an important river deity as well as an Orisha of like love and beauty and fertility. And she was originally worshipped by the Yoruba people in the Ijesha region of West Africa, which is now known as the Oshun state of Nigeria. And although she's known to be kind and protective of her people, she can have a malevolent temper and sinister smile when she has been wronged. That's a quote. She is the wife of Shango alongside Oya and Oba. Although she is said yes. to be his favorite. So, yeah, she's one of his three wives. Um, if you remember the story about Oba and the ear and Shango, that was that was all them. Lots of drama. I do remember. And she was the mm-hmm. one who tricked Oba into cutting off her ears, right? Um, It depends on the story. Sometimes it's Oya, sometimes it's Oshun. Okay. Um, But, yeah, the main point is that the ear gets cut off. And she's also sometimes married to Okrumila, who is um, the Orsha of wisdom and divination and some there are some stories about her as a human as well which like makes a story about her being a deified ancestor orisha and the story says that she went to a drum festival and fell in love with shango there and then she became the first iyalade which is a high-ranking female chieftain and yeah it's a position that's still in existence today but she was the first one so awesome trailblazer um Mm -hmm. and so but she also yeah, so although there's, like, stories of her as, like, a human, which sort of, to me, like, seems to imply that she is, like, a sort of deified ancestor Orisha, there's also a lot of story. like, the main stories associated with her seem to imply that she is, a, like, a more of a primordial Orisha. So according to the oral tradition of Ifa, which is a Yoruba religion, Oshun played a very important role in the creation of the world. She was the only female spirit out of the 17 sent by Olodumare to aid with creating the world. Um, and the other spirits immediately set to work and began to do their own thing, and they ignored Oshun. Oh, and f- okay. Yeah. And for a long time, things went well. Like, they were creating the world. It was great. But eventually, problems began to appear. There were droughts, crops failed, diseases spread, mm-hmm. the earth became barren. And try as they might, the other spirits could not fix it. And then Oshun was watching all of this silently. It's because they weren't um, allowing Oshun to help. She was the secret key. Well, yes. Um, So the spirits went all over the world looking for solutions. And they even talked with Oshun about their problems, but their pride prevented them from asking her for help. But finally, they had no choice. They had to go back to Olodumare and tell him that they had failed in their mission. 
So when they did, he asked them a few questions. He said, how many of you are there? And they replied, 16. And he asked them, how many did I send? And they answered, 17. And he said, that's your answer. As long as you exclude Oshun, you are doomed to fail. Exactly. Yeah. So realizing their mistake, the spirits returned back to the earth and sought her out. They begged her to come help them. However, she was not so forgiving. She had known their mistake all along. Um, She knew of all the things they had done without her, excluding her. And she did not want to help them. And honestly, I support her in that. Uh, being excluded I do too. Sucks. I think that's fun how she just kind of like, whatever, you guys are failing without me. I'm just going to. Yeah. She's like, well. Anything. So they kept pleading with her, and eventually she relented to a compromise. She was pregnant, and she told them that if her child was a boy, she would help them. But if the child was a girl, she would not. Ooh, okay. So that was the deal. So the spirits immediately began praying that her child would be a boy so that she would help them. And eventually their prayers came true. Oshun gave birth to a baby boy, whom she named Eshu, and he is the divine messenger and embodiment of uncertainty in Yoruba culture. He's sort of like a trickster god in a lot of ways and stories. And then, because she had given birth to a son, as she promised, she helped them create the world. In another version of the story, three Orisha, Ogun, Iron, Ahosi, the hunter, and Shango, lightning approached Oshun and laid down all their tools in front of her to acknowledge her power and authority and that was how they got her to help them and Shango was one of the guys who was ignoring her who he eventually who she eventually married oh amazing okay yeah I mean okay do I talk about this later no I don't what okay well so basically um there's alternate versions of there's a lot of alternate versions of the stories um and some of them are like really weird or like definitely like very different like one of them is like she tried ocean tried to create the world and she was having trouble so she had to ask the other spirits for help and like the moral is that you know like she couldn't do everything on her own as a woman like she needed men's help mm mm-hmm. And then there's other story. There's another version of the story where like Shango was the only one who was willing to listen to her, and he was sort of intervened with the spirits on her behalf and was like, "Hey, listen to Oshun and make like, and then we can create the world together and stuff." But it depends on the versions, and like those versions, obviously. Well, like the first one is like a completely different story. There's a completely different message there, um, and the mm-hmm. second one is like. It is sort of similar in that, like, obviously, you know, she was needed in order to create the world, but it sort of takes away her agency a little. It's sort of like, well, this guy came and intervened on her behalf. And so therefore she was able to succeed and and join them. But she didn't do it herself, as opposed to in the story that I originally read, which is that, you know, she had the power and she used her power the whole time and like decided by her own terms to help them. And so, yeah, so that's the creation story. And so in all, like, most of these stories, not the one where she's in the wrong, we see the power of Oshun as a female spirit and the power of femininity in Yoruba culture. One female spirit is more powerful than the 16 male spirits. And also, in general, Oshun is known as the most powerful Orisha and gives all the other Orishas their power. And they would really not be able to exist without her, and the world would not be able to exist without her. So... So then there's another story associated with Oshun, um, and it has to do with her association 
with divination. Ooh, okay. And in particular, there's a story involving her making the Marindine Lagoon system of divination available to all Orishas and people on Earth. So, Marindine Lagoon is a method of divination that uses cowrie shells, which are, of, of course, of like traditionally a very important like item in like Yoruba and Western African culture. And so it's a way of telling the future using cowrie shells. And originally only one person knew how to do that. It was this god, Obatala, who they all had to go to and ask him for advice. But it wasn't uncommon that when they went to visit him, he was nowhere to be found and they couldn't receive the guidance they needed. So finally, Oshun decided to do something to help these people and make divination more accessible to her followers. So one day, when Obatala was leaving his home, she followed him. She watched as he took off his bright white robes and bathed in the river. And then nearby, she noticed his friend, the messenger Eshu, and asked him for help, convincing Obatala to teach her the art of divination. It's interesting that the messenger god is the trickster god. I feel like that's yeah. common. What is it interesting. is, yeah, I think so. It's fun. Yeah, so, like, I think it depends on the story that, like, whether he's really, like, acting as her son or just, like, as his own person or not. Um, you know, so in that story, he's more acting like his own person and like someone you can ask for as like one of the gods for advice to figure something out. So his advice was to immediately go home and bathe in honey and then to come back and pick up his clothes and take them with her. So she did as he told. And when Obatala finished his bath, he realized that his clothes were nowhere to be found. Okay, what I find interesting about this is that his bath was way longer than hers. Yeah, the timeline is a little weird on this. Um, I don't, he, I don't know. It must be a very quick honey bath. Yeah. Anyway. So, <laughs> and Obatala finished uh, his bath. He found his clothes were gone. Um, and then he noticed Eshu's tracks in the dirt and followed them until he arrived at Oshun's house. And then he knocked on the door and asked for his clothes back. So when Oshun answered the door, she was dripping in honey. And she agreed to give Obatala back his clothes, but only if he taught her the art of Merdinglogun first. So he agreed, and therefore, using her charm and some tricks, Oshun learned the art of divination and taught it to the rest of humanity. Okay, I have a question. What's the significance of the honey? I think, mm, I feel like it's kind of sexy, to be honest. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. Um, and yeah, when I was doing my research, I found another version of the story that basically says Oshun was not trying to plan how to learn divination on her own, but basically just took advantage of the opportunity when Ashu stole Obatala's clothes. And then she won Obatala's clothes back by having sex with Ashu and then convinced Obatala that he should teach her divination to give in exchange for his clothes. So that's another version of the story. Um, that one's also I don't like fun, that one. Actually. <laughs> I don't like it that much. Because it's sort of like, it takes away a lot of her planning and ideas and agency, you know? It's sort of like, oh, that's fair. instead of her being like, I want this specific thing to happen, so I'm going to, you know, set out and do it. I'm going to follow this guy, and I'm going to make sure, like, I'm going to see what he's doing and go from there. And instead of doing that, um, she's basically like, oh, so, yeah, I get here, here's that. an opportunity. Although I thought it was kind of fun and chaotic of her to just take advantage of the moment and learn divination from it but they're both fun but yeah. yeah also i do find it a bit weird that in some stories issue is her son and this one they had sex but anyway i mean that's a lot of mythology to be honest it really is um, continue so 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's kind of fun how it's like, her. oh, fun prank, like just taking his clothes. I feel like it's that's funny a really common motif in mythology, to be honest. Just like taking people, like, or maybe, I, I don't know if it has something to do with like the clothes being sacred or just like, just, ha, check your clothes, take me divination now, like a little prank yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the time it is like a sort of significant thing. It's a lot like, oh, you have power over someone if you steal their clothes while they're bathing. Yeah, that is a very vulnerable position mm-hmm. for them to be in. Yeah, so there's like a lot of um, stories where it's like nymphs or something and the, they're bathing and then a man comes along and steals their clothes and then suddenly he has like power. Um, and then, of course, there's the story yeah. of like the Selkie where, you know, they steal, take the seal skin and then you, then they're... That's very the true. Yeah. I mean, like, well, first of all, like someone stealing your clothes and having to like run back home naked when you're bathing like that's not fun just from like a surface level like i don't know like that's not fun but then also no also it sounds like there were special clothes because there was like a bright white robe you know it was like a special bathing garments like that sounds like you know really nice um and then again yeah like there's the deeper significance of like taking someone's clothes like gives a sense of power over them and stuff which, as I said, is like a pretty common motif in mythology, which I find very interesting. Yeah, and also in the other story you told about Oshun, she, like the other gods needed her, and then she was in power in that way. Like, Mm -hmm. she kind of stood back and was like, they're going to need me eventually. And Mm -hmm. she kind of let them come to her. And in this one, she, like, took power over him by stealing Mm -hmm. his clothes and, like, and you mentioned something about maybe the dripping and honey thing was supposed to be kind of seductive or something. Yeah. And about how she uses her, like, feminine powers to just, like, yeah. win back the power, I guess. Yeah, I think that's really the case. Yeah. So, Oshun's associations with water tie closely to her associations with life, fertility, and love. As, of course, we all know, water Naturally. is essential to life. You can't exist without it necessary for the growth of crops and all plants and therefore bodies of water especially rivers are big symbols of fertility and mythology across the world and Mm -hmm. in this case as well i was also thinking about how like in the creation story it says that like the land became barren and there was droughts and stuff and you know she is associated with water so like by getting her help and like bringing water to the land and the people she helps renew the earth and bring life back to it. So she's like creating and she life makes the again. earth fertile. Yeah. And also part of that story also involves her giving birth, like literal birth. Yeah. So that's also a really good point is she like literally she's giving birth like both physically and metaphorically to like creating new life in both those ways. And that just women, I guess, in general are necessary for whatever, creating life and the yeah. general well-being of society and the mm-hmm. earth i guess yeah i find it interesting that there's no other women like she was the only woman at the entire dawn of the world right yeah she was she was the only female spirit created and sent to create the world it feels like it would be Which an obvious thing that you would want to respect the one woman because she's the only way that you can give birth to the next generation i mean like maybe they didn't know that yet i don't know that's true maybe this was where they learned that lesson yeah, like, they didn't know that was how... Because, like, of course, they're, like, not human, so they're not, maybe not reproducing in the same way, so they, like, just don't know. But, like, obviously it's clear that you need 
women in order to bring life to the world is this yeah you know traditional story exactly so Oshun is also associated with both the external and internal forces of the human, in particular the ori or the inner head, aka consciousness. And so in some versions of the creation story, it's said that Ogun relinquishes the tool he used to cultivate the field, and Shingo relinquishes his double-edged axe. And so turning these practical tools over to Oshun represents that one's consciousness, the ori, ultimately governs one's life, not physical items or actions. So, you know, something that I've been thinking about, and I don't really have, like, a good solid answer, is that, like, in the Yoruba language, there aren't really gender-specific terms. There aren't words to differentiate between concepts like son, daughter, or brother, or sister. Social groups are generally organized in kinship groups, and authority is more based on seniority than in gender. That makes sense. Yeah. So Oshun is considered one of the youngest Orishas, and I'm wondering if that may also have to do with how our thoughts and ideas are largely ignored in the creation story as well. Because so they were like, all the same age. Ah, some stories say that she's the youngest. I I don't know. Like also, so like I'm just wondering, like, is it possible to say that the story is more about age structures rather than gender structures? I don't know. I want. I was wondering your thoughts on this. I mean, I do think that a language not differing between like gendered terms doesn't necessarily equate to like not discriminating based on gender. That's true. I think it's quite common among languages of the world to like have the kinship terms they don't necessarily separate some things that we in english would separate like there's not a difference between like aunt and like mother i don't know if that's the case in yoruba but it's the case in some languages you know that's true and how that like relates to well first of all it can be like kind of arbitrary but it can also relate to like the way that like the family is thought of like it's not just like your parents taking care of you it's like the other like older members of your generation, like the mm-hmm. generation above you, like you know, um, that's mm-hmm. kind of a little bit of a tangent. But anyway, but like kinship terms can just like vary a lot from language to language, and I don't know exactly how like the family is structured and like perceived in Yoruba cultures, but I would imagine that age is very important like that the generation that you're in is very important mm-hmm. but i mean the fact that she's the only woman in this story i feel like it's very like a stark difference you know like mm-hmm. if it was like a couple of women it'd be like oh maybe but she's the only woman among 17 people that's like mm-hmm. very clear like that can't be a coincidence like why else would they be leaving her out yeah i mean yeah i mean my thought is like you know gender is a colonial construct <laughs> Um, I mean, yes. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's really hard to say, like, how stories have changed over the years and, like, how we can analyze that. But also part of the story involves her giving birth. That's true. Like, that is an integral part of the story. That is true. Just, like, knowing only the things that you've told me, it just sounds to me that the her being a woman is the main part of it. And also the fact that the woman is the youngest person in the entire group also seems like it's not just a arbitrary coincidence Mm -hmm. like that women are seen as like whatever less experienced less like Mm -hmm. wise and respectable i guess Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah i mean i think it's a really interesting story and i think that like obviously i think her gender does play a big part in her role in the story and her sort of her associations and what she's like and how she's worshipped nowadays and stuff I do think it was interesting that, like, you know, she's also considered the youngest. And so that's sort of another, like, more, um, you know, a group that's taken less seriously because, you know, less experience and, you know, they don't have as much authority and stuff. 
um, Mm -hmm. and like as many skills and aren't as wise. And I thought that was interesting as well that she was also associated with like that group. But then in that like reading the moral of the story is like don't discount somebody just because they're young. Yeah, which is also great. I support that reading as well. As do I. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but overall, it's really interesting to me how both the stories I found out about her seem to have alternate versions that pretty much undermine her powers and abilities and seem like kind of too very sexist, depending on which version we're talking about. (laughs) And so like, I mean, obviously the world creation one is the biggest example where there's literally an alternate version where it's like, oh, Oshun tried to do stuff, but she was wrong and she needed a man's help. And it's like, what? It's very interesting that the like, because this is not just any story. It's like the creation story, like the creation of the world involved conflict based off of like gender and like infighting. Like that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, there are people who believe that um, that version, the one that I just was talking about, where it's like, oh, Oshun should have stayed in her place is, like, a result of colonial ideas interfering with traditional stories, which, like... Oh, that's stupid. To me, makes sense. Yeah. the Just, like, the stark contrast between the two of them of, like, how she's treated as, like, the woman who creates life and is integral to creating you know, the world as opposed to like, oh, the stupid woman who was trying to get in the way of everyone. It's like that's she's clearly very smart. Yeah. Like in the other story it was Ishu who gave her the idea to like steal the clothes and like bathe in honey or whatever. But mm-hmm. still like it I mean, it was her that did the like crafty like yeah, well, donation thing. She, yeah, like she knew she followed Abatala all the way to the pond or the where he or the river wherever he was bathing. And then decided, who is the best person to help me accomplish this goal? It's Ashu, the messenger trickster goddess. Yeah, like, she's like, I need to use some tricks here, so I'm going to ask the the trickster guy, you know? Like, that makes sense, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, it's true that, like, in a lot of creation stories, they involve, like, god infighting. Mm -hmm. Like, like we talked about in the Enema Leash, they were also very unkind to Tiamat. Yeah, I mean, like, in Greek myths... All sorts of stuff's going on there. Literally every single Greek myth is about gods infighting. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I feel like, you know, all the contrasts in the world are a result of, like, uh, often can be interpreted as, like, a result of, like, differing forces trying to, like, figure things out together. You know? It's true. It kind of gives, like, the whole, like, creation of the world, like, a really epic feel of, like, Mm -hmm. these really, really powerful gods, like, are Mm -hmm. just really fighting it out. And that's why the world is the way that it is. Yeah. Which is fun. Creation stories yeah. are very fun. I mean, like, and I also feel like this story, even though it has conflict, is ultimately a story of cooperation because the point is, like, you need everyone. Yeah, you they all, just, they like, all learned. Yeah, it's not even just like, you know, oh, you have, like, 17 people and make maybe 10 of you figure something out together and the other seven are off doing, like, whatever. It's like, no, all 17 of you need to figure something out together. Like, everyone needs to cooperate Everyone needs to be paying attention to what's going on in, like, the community. Everyone in the, in the community is important. Everyone mm-hmm. has something to contribute. And if you leave them out, that just signifies, like, a weak community. Yeah. So today, she is still worshipped today. And she's quite a prominent figure, actually. And worship of her has spread through other parts of the world, primarily through uh, the diaspora of the slave trade. And she is particularly honored in Afro-Brazilian communities. So in Brazil, she is considered an orisha of freshwater in rivers and waterfalls. She's also associated with wealth, prosperity, love, and beauty. And she oversees relationships and marriages, and followers will often ask for help in questions of love and romantic problems. 
And she's also associated with emotional sensitivity and often weeps. And that reminds me that I believe she's associated with uh, Erzuli Freda. Oh, is she? Uh-huh. Okay. Erzuli Freda, who we talked about previously in Haitian Vodou. Yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah. And she, and she I remember she cried her a lot. tears flood the world. Yeah. Yeah. And she's also associated with, like, love and marriage and romantic problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She is. Yeah. So, um, also in Condomble Bantu, she is known as Enkisi Andandalunda, which means the lady of fertility and the moon. And in this religion, she is the goddess of water, pregnancy, and fertility. And women who wish to have children will pray to her for children and also for her protection during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And she also watches over and protects small children until they can speak. And she's associated with aromatic yellow plants, especially mints and bright flowers. And the bright yellow is to reflect her association with wealth. And also she is worshipped in Santeria as well, which is uh, a religion associated with uh, Cuba. And she is worshipped and associated with Our Lady of Charity, who is an incarnation of Mary specifically associated with Cuba and holy to the Cuban people, considered the patroness of Cuba. So very important in that religion. Super, super important. And isn't her namesake also like a river? Yeah, well, she she has there's a river named after her uh, or, or, or a river like that she is like the goddess of. So it's her river specifically in Nigeria. Yeah, so she is commonly worshipped at rivers and waterfalls, and occasionally mineral water sources. Her symbols are the beaded comb, the peacock, the mirror, and honey. Her colors are white, yellow gold, and sometimes coral. And her ritual object is the abebe, which is a circular fan. And in Nigeria, she is celebrated every year in the Ashogwa Festival, which is in the capital of Nigeria's Oshun state, uh, which is the modern name day name for the territory where she has long been worshipped. And so like Oshun, the festival is believed to have healing powers. Attendees honor her and her purity by wearing white. And it's considered Nigeria's largest event, attracting thousands of international tourists every year to give praise to Oshun. Oh. And there's other festivals celebrating, other ceremonies celebrating her called Ibo Oshun. At the ceremony, women will eat a feast of yams and then dance, hoping that Oshun will select them as her favorite. And once Oshun selects a woman, she serves her community as a leader and healer for the year. So she is all over the place. She is still very important and very cool. Um, and she has even been quite a prominent figure in pop culture in recent years. So particularly Beyonce embodies Oshun in her music video for Hold Up, as well as throughout the entire Lemonade um, visual oh. album. And so if you think about the music video for Hold Up, she is wearing a bright yellow dress, which is Oshun's color. And it's also, um, you know, an homage to her as like the goddess of love and the overseer of marriage and romantic troubles. And throughout the whole Lemonade visual album, Beyonce like uses imagery of Oshun and other Orishas, as well as like Christianity to talk about the importance of syncretization of religious ideas between the two groups in order to really embrace the heritage of being African, particularly West African, as well as the culture of African Americans. And it demonstrates through the symbol of Oshun how the two religions are connected to each other. And aside from Beyonce's album, allusions to Oshun are present in many other pieces of media. So like while I was doing my research, I saw a bunch of like literary analyses um, including multiple papers on different Toni Morrison books, such as Paradise oh. and Beloved. And I think there might have been one about Song of Solomon as well that I saw. Oh, um, really? Yeah. 
she's been referenced in a lot of popular culture and a lot of media and literature, and she is like a very significant spirit and figure to this day. She is very alive and well among us. So that is Oshun. She's very cool. I think she is very fun. Okay, thank you, Zoe, for today's episode, and thank you for listening. Please feel free to subscribe, donate to our Kofi, listen to our other episodes, leave a review, and we will see you back here again in two weeks. Yep, goodbye. Happy Valentine's Day. May the Ladies Podcast is produced, researched, and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MythoLadies and visit us on our website at MythoLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. <laughs>